Welcome to Solving for B, the podcast dedicated to all things branding and marketing. In this week's edition, we'll discuss how to align your marketing spend strategy with your business goals using accurate and relevant data. We hope you enjoy the latest edition of Solving for B with Brand Extract. Hi, thanks for joining us today for the Solving for B podcast. Uh, today we're going to be getting a little analytical uh, and discussing the topic of allocation of marketing spend. Uh, more specifically, we'll be diving into how to optimize your marketing dollars through data analytics. Uh, and to help us frame up this topic, I'm joined by data science advisor, Dr. Hari Sridhar from Texas A&M University. Hey, Chris. And friend of the show, data science advisor, Dr. Vikas Mittal from Rice University. Hey, Chris. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Um, so so kind of to kick us off a little bit, can you guys talk a little about the need for a systematic approach to determining marketing spend? Sure, yeah. I mean, uh, one of the sort of big criticisms that marketing uh, folks get, I mean, a lot of flack for this, is that, uh, you know, they kind of make up a budget and go to the CEO and say, well, can I have uh, $3 million to do this, right? And... And that's fine, uh, except that uh, the CEO is likely to come back and say, well, how do I know this is going to pay off, right? And so one of the problems with uh, just having an ad hoc approach or an, uh, that's kind of flying by the seat of the pants is nobody really knows what the right amount is to spend and whether it's paying off, right? And so the whole idea of trying to make it more systematic is really to build in uh, credibility to the function and uh, make uh, create accountability in the marketing function, right? Right, and I think it's the old saying from um, John Wanamaker, I know half of my marketing dollars go to waste. I just want to know which half. <laughs> um, and one of the main reasons is that marketing in a lot of companies is seen more of a communication function, and marketing uh, CMOs typically go to the CEO with an ask, Whereas if you think of a CFO or a chief operating officer, they always go to the CEO with an investment budget. Like if, if we do this, this is how much more we expect to make. Or if, you know, if I cut these jobs or if I do the streamlining, this is how much we expect to save. And to Hari's point, what, what, what we are advocating is that chief marketing officers should be able to relate their marketing spend and different components of their marketing spend to tangible outcomes, whether it's sales, whether it's margin or EBITDA, so they can position the spend not as an expenditure, but as an investment. Right, and I think yeah, like you kind of touched on it, and it's, it, it, it's important that whenever a, a, you know, a chief technology officer, for example, goes, I need this budget because I'm going to upgrade systems. I'm going to, you're gonna see some sort of tangible evidence. And from the market, traditionally, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but traditionally, I think the, uh, the marketing, you know, the CMO will go and, you know, there's, there's no data behind, well, what is, this, what is this investment going to get me? So it's important to, you know, this is what we're talking about today is putting some sort of expectation and some sort of result to that. Mm -hmm. So, um, so hearkening back to the, to the kind of older days and, and not more or less flying by the seat of the pants. How do people do it today? How do people do it in lieu of having a, you know, here's my, my, 
by analytical strategy that's going to determine exactly how much is coming through? How do people do it? Well, I mean, you'll be surprised uh, that I'm guessing more than 50% of the companies still don't have any real systematic method to do it. They have methods that are systematic from a procedural standpoint, but not necessarily uh, tying back to Vikas's point, uh, creating any accountability uh, in budgeting. So there are three that I think of that I call heuristic-based methods that seem systematic, but they are very dangerous when you think about what value they're creating. Uh, one of them is what you call the percentage of sales method, which is to say, you know, if I'm a $10 billion company, uh, X percent of my annual sales should be devoted to my marketing function. Now, it's very systematic because X percent of your sales gets devoted to marketing every year. But nothing in the heuristic really points to what value is being created by marketing because it doesn't point to whether marketing is actually creating incremental sales or what activities should be tied to marketing. Uh, another method is what you call all you can afford, which is <laughs> basically saying I don't have any money left and so you're not going to get any. Right? <laughs> and a third method is uh, what I call the squeaky wheel method, which is to say I'm going to go up there with the CFO and the CIO and we're all going to fight it out for who's going to get most of the budget. So all of these sound like they're systematic because you go through the same procedure every year, but they don't really create any value. And they lack data behind them, correct? That's the That's the key component to this is that um, and it's so impressive with, with what you guys do regularly is, is, you know, not only determining dollar amount or spend, but, you know, why, justifying why we need to spend that kind of money. Right, and linking it to, the, let's say, sales or margin or EBITDA to show, like, this is the amount of money you spend in, let's say, advertising, or this is the money you put into your trade shows, or this is the money you put into print advertising. This is the lift that you got in sales. So, so there's tangible evidence for the CEO to see that this spend was not an expenditure but an investment, just to be repetitive. Yeah. And, and one thing that I found kind of intriguing while you guys, uh, while we were preparing for this episode, um, was that you mentioned that a lot of these kind of these, I guess, models or, or this analysis can really um, can really tell companies or tell you know C- CEOs what particular aspect of marketing works and in, in what capacity. It's not just, you know, spend X amount of dollars and you'll get X amount of results. It's spend, you know, this amount here, this amount here, and this is what you can expect. Right. Um, <clears throat> to give you an example, you know, one of the companies uh, we talked to recently uh, and we said, you know, how are you spending your marketing dollars? Uh, they said, well, we allocate most of it either to trade shows or, or to a trade press magazine. Okay, well, you have $100. How much do you allocate it to trade shows in the trade press magazine? Well, it's always 80% uh, to the trade shows and 20% to the trade press. Uh, so, okay, why do you do that? Well, you know, the trade shows uh, got to be their event. It's a yearly event, and we get a lot of our leads from there. Okay, well, what have we done over the last 10 years to see if that's the right strategy? Well, we know it's the right strategy, right? So something in there tells me that we really need to look at whether that was the right strategy by looking at what each of these two mechanisms was generating. So to Kaz's point, if there's some way to know if they didn't go to the trade show the next year, what would really happen to them? That's kind of what you want to really do as a thought experiment to figure out whether marketing, you know, is paying off. Right, and and we're I, th- I guess we're kind of getting into it right now. But my next question would be, um, you know, we talked about the, the I think you mentioned the three ways that companies are doing it now, squeaky wheel and such. Um, 
what are the ways that maybe they sh- that companies should be looking at um, you know, allocating their marketing spend budgets per right. year. <clears throat> so there's uh, many analytical ways to do it, or at least one analytical way that has many uh, terminologies associated with it. Uh, some people call it the attribution approach. Some people call it the statistical approach. Some people call it the response model approach. But really, in simple words, what it is is, what is the incremental value of every dollar you put in the marketing function to your sales or your EBITDA or your profit? So if you were spending $100 last year and this year you spent $101 what does it really mean to your sales that's what these models speak to at the heart of it right so you know so think of it like a sort of like a seesaw right so if you press one lever which might be say advertising what is the lift that you get in sales right and another seesaw which is trade show if you press press down on that lever what is the lift, independent lift that you get in sales. And that really is the heart of it, right? So so the, the, the issue is that if you just keep spending more and more and more on sales and, you know, trade shows and print advertising, obviously you'll get some benefit. What Hari is saying is that by quantifying the relative benefits, so for example, 1% increase in advertising, let's say it gives you 10% increase in sales and 1% increase in trade show gives you 12% increase in sales. So then you know that you should be putting a little bit more on trade shows. Right? Right. And that quantification becomes really critical because for the CEO, now if you go to the CEO and say, look, you know, we want to get a 22% lift in sales and this is the b- budget allocation that will get us the 22%. So, and you do it, and even if you don't get exactly 22%, let's say you get 20% or you get 24%, the statistical model can help you identify why you didn't get the actual sales that you expected so you become smarter next time. Right. Okay. That's the crux of this, this sort of an approach, right? So if you fill your gas tank three-fourths of the way and you were expecting to get, go 200 miles and you only went 190 miles, at least you now know how to get that done. So it sounds like this is a process that should be, it's not a one-time thing. I mean, it should be iterative. It should, you should monitor these things. Right. Um, what do you think is a good time frame for monitoring? Is it well, annually? Or? Well, to, uh, to roll back, the very first thing that you want to determine, if you kind of have executed a good marketing spend strategy and you feel happy about it, is you should know the size of the pie, which is the size of the budget, And you should be able to say with precision how you want to allocate this size of the pie across different vehicles, right? So you want to be confident that if you spent a million dollars overall and you put it into three different vehicles, that you can repeat this process every time, right? So that's the first big thing you should be trying to do every year, right? And so the the typical way you do it is to go back and look at yourself, is to see how you've done it in the past. So usually you collect historical data on some outcome of interest, say sales or leads or profits, and try to track back, usually using uh, statistical approaches, whether increases or decreases in any one of these vehicles have actually contributed to sales. So in other words, the best data you have is all the marketing you've done in the past. Mm-hmm. Right? So once you get this historical data and you run it through these statistical processes, what they really tell you is whether a marketing vehicle works and how much. And once you know if 
a marketing vehicle is working and how much so, you can then sit back and decide the size of the pie you want to have and the slices of the pies. Right. Okay. And I'm, I'm curious, do these... Do these models have, um, you know, are they sophisticated enough or, or, or detailed enough to show you the point of diminishing returns on certain activities and things like that? Right. In fact, the first fundamental principle behind all of these models is that, in general, your marketing investments have diminishing returns to scale, which is that over time, they begin to become incrementally less effective. So the trick in these models is to determine when each of these vehicles is reaching that point. Because when you have a vehicle that's already a spent force, you can start allocating money towards the other vehicles. Right. That's the intuition behind how these models work. So it's, it sounds like it's it's pretty crucial to not, and I think Vikas mentioned this in prep, to not extrapolate too far ahead. You know, the data tells you something um, that doesn't mean that you just, you know, multiply everything by two and it's the exact same. You gotta be pretty precise with these things. And, um, you know, um, Hari just did this for like a large company. It's about a $10, $12 billion company that, you know, makes adhesives and stuff. And they sort of faced similar issues where they had been doing all this spending, but they were not sure if they were getting anything out of it. Right? So maybe, Hari, you can talk. Sure, yeah. I mean, the, the way this started was uh, they felt like their budgeting process wasn't right. And then when we started talking, we realized, okay, you know, they have no real systematic process to doing the budgeting. And so every year they were facing the same alarming question, which is, okay, how much should we go and really ask the CEO? So we went back and we said, okay, let's try to look back at five or six years of decisions you've made. Let's look at every month of spending on trade shows, on trade magazines, on Salesforce. And let's try to also see if, uh, you know, you have data on your sales. So once we built this model out, uh, you know, before the, like I said a few minutes ago, we asked them where, you know, which vehicle they think is the most effective. And they said, oh, it's got to be the trade show. You know, it's this huge event every year. All our suppliers are there. All our, you know, competitors are there. We learn about them. And, you know, that's where we put most of our money. When we ran through the models, we found that the incremental effect of the trade shows were basically close to nothing, right? And we said, well, this is the problem because you believe that a vehicle is really important, but in fact, the data says, you know, doesn't really generate any incremental lift. So we worked through the process with them because this is as analytical as it is a cultural shift in companies. And then we were able to show them how if they ramp back on their trade shows by about 20% and in fact uh, allocated more money to uh, trade press magazines and Salesforce, they're likely to get an 18 to 20% bump in sales. And this was a little bit of a shock to them, and they didn't really believe the numbers. But the whole point, like Vikas said, is not really the specific number in some cases when you're starting off as much as the directional guidance, because the big insight here was maybe trade shows are not the main vehicle, right? And so when they shifted it around, they were beginning to see, okay, you know, we're beginning to get more bang for our buck because they didn't really have to increase their budget. They just had to redirect their budget. And research shows that, in fact, redirecting your money in the right way can actually yield more returns than going and asking for a bigger budget. Yeah. So that's what these models help you do, is to work with the same budget, but really be smarter about how you allocate the money. You know, and sometimes these models are extremely useful. A company probably has already committed to an investment. They're making an investment, but they don't have a good way to figure out 
what the payoff from that investment is, right? So, so an example like a you know a project that um, these guys worked on is where a company had developed an app. This is a free app that they gave it to all their clients. This is a B two B company, and the app basically helps the client to figure out what specific tools they should buy based on the client's needs, right? So this app is given out for free, and this was a few million dollar investment, but the company had no clue if they were getting any benefit from the app, except for the CMO running around saying, well, you know, the app is beneficial because it's helping in relationship marketing and customer engagement. But nobody knew what the benefit of all of this is, right? And the ability to quantify the benefit, and Hari can talk about it more, really helped the CMO to get a huge budget bump from the CEO. And Right. I think the, the key intuition in that case was to see what does this free app really do to the bottom line, right? And so we were able to look at uh, the buyers who actually downloaded the app and used the app and also look at buyers who did not use the app. Now, of course, some of the buyers who download the app already like the company and there are ways to correct for things like that in our models. But really the crucial thing here was simple usage of the app, repeated usage of the app and engagement of the app was leading buyers to keep this company as top of mind, which eventually led them to buy more, right? And after 18 months of tracking, we were able to show that, in fact, 16 to 18% increases in sales emanated from usage of the app. And once we translate it into sort of a, a sales dollars, it, it amounted to about $6 million. So the CMO then went up to the CEO and said, well, the incremental benefit of this free app was $6 million, and I'm just going to ask you for half of it to make the next version of the app, mm -hmm. and the money was sanctioned. So tying this all back to the beginning, right? ultimately, if you're a CMO and you have a budget to make, if you have the confidence that each of your activities is generating an incremental lift in sales, you can just write your budget a lot more confidently and demand uh, money with not just confidence that it works, but also some projections in terms of what you think it'll do. And it's a good tracking mechanism for a company to have. Yeah, and, and that, I mean, I, this reminds me of our conversation in preparation for the episode, um, where I think it was Vikas that mentioned um, there's there are three questions that should be answered by one of these models. Um, the first one being, what should the total spend be? Uh, the second being, uh, how should the total spend be allocated? And third, uh, and, and possibly most importantly, what are, what are these dollars going to get me? What, how is this going to affect my bottom line? So yeah, I think that's a really good example of, of a way, you know, that, that these models uh, can be used. Um, can you guys talk a little bit about, I mean, any of the pitfalls or maybe the, the uh, mistakes that are common that when, when determining marketing spend? Sure. Uh, one of the things I want to point out, and maybe because you can talk about it, which is the, how uh, sort of companies have um, all these initiatives that they believe are actually paying off. And there's a huge fight uh, among, you know, executives within the company about, you know, uh, whether they pay off or not. I think uh, trying to use analytics to be able to say that this is, you know, the only way to think about marketing spend is, is a problem, right? In my mind, it should be a way to inform this CMO about how to go about decision-making, and it, it shouldn't be coming down to a second decimal place and arguing about, oh, we didn't hit the exact number. Uh, you know, yeah, so I think it's with anything else in life, right? Like, 
these models, they can be very precise. They can give a lot of information, but they should not substitute for uh, good decision making. Right? And what, what, what we've seen a couple times what has happened is uh, CMO or somebody will take the result from a model and they'll be just sitting there banging on the table saying, look, you've got to give me this kind of money or that kind of money. So even if the model gives you an answer, a lot of the answer is more sort of directional and giving you a general idea of what that's, that, that, that answer is. Second thing, you've got to recognize, and we've faced this quite often, many times even if the correct answer is staring people in the face, they're unable or unwilling to do the right thing. And it's simply because of culture, it's because of habit, it's because this is how things have been done. And you've got to be aware of all of those things that a lot of times the first couple of iterations of doing something analytically don't expect people to believe you and don't expect people to do the right thing just because you've given them the correct answer. Uh, you know, it, it's a process and you just have to be very, very mindful of the process. You know, so, so all the old things in terms of getting buy-in, getting people to, you know, understand and believe into this. Uh, sort of comes into play. And I think um, the third thing that I would say is for these types of approaches to work, the CMO and the marketing department have to believe in it, right? So, so you know, and, and this is a legacy issue. Frequently, many marketing departments, they are also like Marcom or they're more of the creative type. So they themselves may not have the training, the quantitative training necessary. So they are so skeptical. Like, so if you think about, you know, finance and operating operations and all of those kinds of departments, manufacturing, I mean, half the reason, you know, it works for them is because they believe in what they're saying, right? So I think, uh, you know, the people who are behind these models, they have to believe in them. And that's one of the other things I would say. Right. And another thing that I'll point to uh, is that, you know, many a time these analytic approaches rest on the quality of the data that company have, the companies have, right? Uh, in many cases, you know, uh, you have uh, companies who work with uh, six or seven years of data, and all they have is uh, yearly data, in which case you have uh, seven data points on which you're deciding the future of the company, right? You probably don't want to. Uh, do any analytics if you don't have any uh, reasonable data. So there's a really a whole process that you want to put into place, verifying whether you have uh, the right kind of data and the kind of claims you can make with the data you have. Because if you try to extrapolate and just do analytics because it's the hot thing today and extrapolate to the point where you're really building um, more imprecise processes than the ones you already have in place because of analytics. It actually destroys the mission of uh, marketing spend. So my two cents to that, uh, to this issue would be that uh, there's a whole slew of now very well-established processes that go into determining whether the quality of data you have are good enough for you to be going through an analytics um, exercise in determining your marketing spend. And if you find that you don't have the data needed, uh, you, can put into process, you can put into place a process to collect that data, but you definitely don't want to do a uh, half-picked analytics exercise and put the you know, whole marketing uh, department's uh, budget at stake 
uh, with that kind of uh, you know exercise. So it sounds like we need a few things that are kind of necessary for an undertaking like this, and you guys feel free to to add more. But uh, is buy in uh, and 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 um, very reliable uh, and as a significant amount or a substantial amount of data. Um, it seems like one of those things that you can't um, that you can't just kind of go in willy nilly and because it you know kind of trash in trash out kind of mindset. Is there anything else that's that's absolutely um, necessary for an effort like this? I mean, to 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 put together the data for a, a marketing. Spend? I think uh, he's not saying it, but I'll say it. I think uh, this is sort of like medicine. You know, just because you've read a couple things on WebMD or watched a video doesn't make you an expert. This really is quite complex statistics, right? So it's not, you know, sort of uh, the idea or oh, take an average on a spreadsheet or run a couple of little things here and there on spreadsheets and then everybody's running around being an expert, right? So, so the one thing if you decide to do this is to obviously, you know, get the right type of data and Right type of data doesn't mean just more and more and more data. Right type of data is that somebody who has expertise in this type of modeling, they should be able to look at the data. They should then find the right analytical method. And then whatever answer they come up with, they should be able to tell you how much confidence in the answer can be had. Right. So the upshot of in all of this is, you know, Kids, don't try this at home. You know, uh, you really need to know somebody who knows this and then get that person to help you or guide you in this sort of an exercise. Great. Well, guys, uh, I think that about covers the topic for today. I really appreciate the time. This is some excellent stuff. Um, so thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll let you get back to your day. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to Solving for B, a podcast by Brand Extract. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play, or you can stop by brandextract.com for more insight on branding and marketing. Then be on the lookout for the next installment of Solving for Bee.